You have just entered The Royal Access, the show for growth-minded game changers seeking God's direction in their relationships and careers. I'm your host, Coral Pinder, and I'm super excited about growing along with you. Now let's dive in to this episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Royal Access. It's your girl, Corral, and I hope that you guys are doing great. It's been a few weeks since you've heard my voice, and I missed you, and I hope you're in for a treat with this episode. I want to ask you guys to give me some grace because my sinuses are acting up this morning, and I might sound a little nasally, but just work with your girl. So as you know, we are in the series Split Rock Moment, and you have heard on this podcast, which is almost two years, I can't believe this July is going to be two years since we've been on the podcast, but you have heard a lot of my stories, and so you've heard a lot about my Split Rock Moments, and from just hearing the episodes that we received from Joy and Rachel last week, and that we received from Felicia, you have sort of an idea of what a split rock moment is. And just to reiterate some of the things that they have shared, a split rock moment, and I got that term from Marshawn, I think her last name is Davis. I was reading her book, Bigger. Daniels, Marshawn Evans Daniels. Sorry, Marshawn Evans Daniels. There's a book that she has and it's called Believe Bigger. And she talks about a split rock moment. And it's a really great book on purpose. If you are interested in reading books about purpose, I didn't really read it because I was trying to find my purpose. I read it because of the title, which called Believe Bigger and just trusting God for what everything that he wants to do in my life. And I was reading the beginning of the book and she talks about a split rock moment. And her split rock moment is that she found out that the guy she was dating, that she was engaged to, I think three or four days before her wedding that he was cheating on her and her whole life was turned upside down. She didn't go through with the wedding, but you can imagine how her life was just completely changed because four days before this big, huge, expensive wedding. And I think they still had the reception at the party because at that time they could get the money back. But basically she talked about how it led her on this journey of discovering what God had called her to do and how she had quit her agency, like she had sold everything from her agency because she was just going to be a housewife. So she had this huge celebrity sports agency and she like gave all of that up to become this housewife. And then like the wedding never happened. So her life completely changed. And I think she's now like a life coach or something, but she talks about the split rock moment because sometimes there's moments in your life where it's like the rug was ripped from under you. Like you had this comfort journey of this path that I thought I was going on. I thought I could stand solid on this thing. And you realize like, even though you do know God, it forces you to another level of surrender and dependency on God. Because in life, sometimes we don't realize that we have been depending on this person so much or this thing or this opportunity or this path in such a way that God hadn't been the foundation anymore. And so we saw it last week when Rachel was talking about when she found out that her father almost committed suicide, that, that her father was a rock that she depended on. And she had you know, walked through that. And then we saw it with Felicia, how she said at a young age, which is very, very likely at a young age that a parent is going to be your rock and the thing that you depend on. So her father passing away is just something that, just shook everything in her. And so that's what happens in split rock moments. You 
are going on on this journey that you have and you're thinking it's God directed, it's the God path, or it's just what happens. Like you're not even fully conscious and fully aware that I am having too much stock in this thing because we live in a human world and we live in the world of things we can touch and see. So when I thought about split rock and you can have more than one split rock moment, there are split rock moments, parts of your life that happen and you're like, I did not expect it. I did not see this coming. I did not prepare for it. And she got the term split rock moment from Moses, how Moses split the rock when he brought the people out of Egypt. The people were all like, oh, you should have left us in Egypt because, you know, they complained in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, but they were comfortable. They had reached a level of comfortability in Egypt. Now they're in the wilderness and they're like, I don't know why you brought us here. And so God told Moses to hit the rock and water flowed out of the rock. And so sometimes you have to be revived, rejuvenated through a source that you did not see coming, through something you did not expect. And when I think back on my life, there were there were many split rock moments. The first one that I can remember, I'm sure there was more before this. But when I was in university and I was in my fourth year, I thought I was going to go on to do bachelor's, straightaway master's, straightaway PhD. And I'm in my fourth year and I'm going to apply for PhD programs or master programs. And they're telling me like there were steps you needed to take in your first or second year in university that now have passed you. And so it's very unlikely. And because of that guidance I received, I applied nowhere and had to move home. And that was like uh everything that I had planned, the path, the journey that I was on, it felt like it was ripped from under me. Um, when I was at Bahamar was another time where I thought I was about to be there for the next five to 10 years. I was going to buy a condo. I was going to build up that life. And I was there for less than a year. Um, when I was in LA, I went to LA. I like, I knew I was going for school for two months, but I thought something miraculously would happen after the two months of school. And all that happened after the two months of school is that I was broke. Uh, broke out of my mind. And so I knew it was time to go home. Um, when my brother passed away, like you just, you, you prepare in your mind for parents at one point, your parents may pass because they're older you and that's just a question of life. But siblings was just something I never fathomed. So, and I'm sure there are more, the more that I dig deep, there are things that I expected to go one way. I expected life to turn out this way. I planned this path and it just, it didn't happen that way. It just, it just didn't happen that way. And that's a hard journey to go through of like, I, I'm thinking that life is going to turn on this one particular way and it's not. So one of the stories that I wanted to tell you about, because, you know, I like to dig deep to try and give you some insight of something that you may have never heard before. And so a lot of people have heard about the breakup that I had right before the year challenge, but I also had another painful breakup when I was... I think I was like 21. And so I had just moved home after the learning that you can't go straight to do your master's. And I, I would say I wanted a relationship because I wanted to be married at 21. And at this point I was already 21, but I wouldn't say that I was actively looking for one. Like I wanted one, but I wasn't actively looking for one. So someone came to me and told me that there was someone interested in me because they saw my photo somewhere. And so I began to have conversations with this person. I began dating this person and they were just recently coming out of a relationship where they had been cheated on. So I was getting love bombed. And because my love language is words of affirmation, this love bombing, this 
constant need for affirmation and affection, this constant need to say that this is going to be long-term, the constant need of them needing affirmation because they were coming out of a situation where they had been rejected by being cheated on. Me, who loves words of affirmation and loves to give it, was the perfect antidote for a rebound. In the moment, I'm not realizing I'm a rebound. I am just thinking like, oh, I found love. It's 21. They're also talking marriage. So we're probably going to get married within the next year. Like they're even talking to my parents about this. So I'm just like, this is clearly what's going to happen. And I am just dedicated to that relationship. Like a year before, I'm like, oh my God, I can't do my master's. And in the moment, I am still studying to do another master's that's related to psychology, but not completely related. Um, and so I was studying to do that. I was studying for my GMAT. It was my first year working. I was living home for the first time and I was working for the first year. And then I got this relationship immediately, something that I wasn't looking for, um, but seemed to be aligning with, remember my path and my goals of what I wanted for my life of being married at a certain age. So those goals seem to be aligning and I'm on that path and we continue the relationship. It's going well in my mind. And then a few months in, I think the ego is being repaired from coming out of a relationship where they were cheating on. I think my words of affirmation and my commitment to this path of this can be long-term. I see you as a long-term person. I think they just needed the affirmation that someone saw them worthy enough to be long-term, but they weren't, they didn't take time to be invested in me because they just was dealing with so much rejection from the previous thing that they were in. And so I think it was that summer I went to start my master's degree um, for the first time. And it just, we were always long distance, but it was that time. I think the relationship was at least over six months and it started to unravel. Like this isn't, this isn't it. Um, and so it's not going well at all. And I have to make the the choice, like, are you going to be adamant about this path and goal you have for your life that you wanted to achieve by the certain age? Like, I passed the age, but I, I'm feeling like the glimpse of it is there because I am still currently 21 and we are actively talking about spending our life together, constantly giving me affirmations to you're arguing all the time, you're not on the same page. And I can't remember if I told this story on the podcast before. But I have definitely told this story in speaking at different speaking engagements. And I remember when I realized like this person was the person that I was trying to build my foundation dependency, trying to build my rock on, was I give me grace. I think I was 21. We were supposed to go on a family vacation that same summer. And because I was doing um, my master's in a summer program, so I was a guidance counselor, so I had summers off. And so I went to my Emmy to do a semester for the summer in, I can't remember what my master's was in at that time. Um, and we were going away for the summer and I had entered the country on a student visa. And so they were like, you can't leave the country on a visitor's visa and I can leave on a student. Anyways, this long song and dance. And so they're telling me that I can't go on the cruise with my family. I don't know what got into me, why, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know guys, but I straight up freaked out. Like I was 21 and I guess being the youngest child, you're kind of used to things going your way as long as you make a little noise or something. 
And so I don't know why, like, I just threw a tantrum, like a two-year-old, like literally like screaming, stamping up and down the, the, the port, um, uh, on the ground crying. I am like, and I, I take my phone and I try to call him and he doesn't answer the phone. And so I'm just, so my mom's praying very silently. My dad, I think, is trying to talk to the people. I'm not sure what my sister is doing. And I don't think our brother, my brother traveled with us at that time. So I am freaking out, like crying on the floor, stamping, like acting like a two-year-old, literally, like a spoiled brat. And I try to call him. I don't get him on the phone. And my mom's just praying on the side. And then I think like the whole port clears. Like when you get in there, it's, it's completely packed. The whole port clears, like they're just trying to get us to leave. They're like, we can call you a taxi. And my mom's like, I'm not leaving from this counter. So everybody else is being served. The whole boat is boarded. It's like the last minute. And this lady comes like running out, like she's wearing white. And she's like, you can go. And I get up from the floor from all of my tears. I grab my bags and our entire family are running on the cruise ship. We have not been on a cruise ship since that. Now that I think about it, I don't know if I was traumatized. <laughs> Maybe my entire family was traumatized. Anyway, back to the guy that I was dating. So I can't remember at one point that I do get him on the phone, but I was like, um, oh my God, like this happened. I'm telling you this story. And I was like, I was so frustrated. I was so crying, whatever. And I was just like, and I never got you on the phone. And he was like, well, if you got me on the phone, what would you want me to do? Like, it didn't make any sense calling me because there wasn't anything I could do. So two things, rude, but true, rude, but true. So that, that statement told me two things. This relationship is over because this person has no concern or care for your feelings to even just be there as a comfort or support. Um, and if he was like now in retrospect, as a 37 year old, I'm like, you could have prayed with me. You could have told me to get up off the floor and stop asking like a two year old and just pray and trust God and wait to see what God was going to do. You could have given me some insight of something that I may have been able to say. You could have done a lot. So one, but number two, what it told me is that your dependency wasn't on Christ because my mom was praying. Um, at that time I was not mature in my faith to be able to say that that was something that I would have done. Um, but my dependency clearly was on a relationship because when my mom decided that her rock and the guide for her life is Christ. And so something, when something goes off that I didn't expect, I call on Christ for me, my guide, my rock, my dependency had become the guy that I was seeing. And so therefore that is who I called. And so it's really evaluating your life. What is the first thing you do, even if you're married? What is the first thing that you do? Is it Christ? When you go through a crisis, when the rug is pulled from under you, when something doesn't go the way that's planned and not that there aren't people that are in your life that you shouldn't consult because we were created for community and community is there, but is God the first person you're consulting? Are you praying and submitting to God for whatever that is for your life? And what I had to realize over years of maturity is that, you know, Sometimes God will allow things to happen in our life to change up the perspective. Needless to say, shortly after that relationship ended, that wasn't the relationship for me. But during that time, I was doing that first semester of my master's that summer. I had a lot more time on my hands because the relationship was clearly dissolving. And someone had sent me to vote for someone in a pageant. And I never knew what pageants was. I thought they were very stupid. 
I thought it didn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, but at the time of my hands, I voted for the person and I watched all of the videos of these contestants. And I realized that they were very, they were very smart. They were very insightful. They were very aware. They were very service minded women. And it just really intrigued me. And I kind of followed it. And one of the girls who I was really impressed with her video, she wasn't the tallest. She wasn't necessarily the stereotypical prettiest, but she won the crown. And it got me excited about doing that. And my whole life journey changed after that. Like I went into pageants and I took another route and it was just, it totally transformed the path that, that I thought that I was on. Like I didn't complete the math. That's why I can't remember the master's degree I was doing at the time. So I didn't complete that master's. I started a totally different new master's like in a year or two. Um, and just the trajectory of what I saw myself doing was changed through having the ability of being in pageants and being on platforms and pageants wasn't the end game either. That's, that's a crazy thing too. Like I went into pageant to go to Miss world and I never went to Miss world. I have been to international pageants. I've held international titles, but I never went to Miss world. And so my mind, I'm thinking, Oh, I was exposed to pageantry so that I could go to Miss world and win Miss world. And no, it was so that I could teach you how to be more service minded. No, it was so I could teach you how to become a better speaker. It was to teach you how to engage in the community. And that's when I started to gain, um, a following of people knowing who I was and building the brand. And so when I started doing my plays, I had already established a brand four to five years before that. And so more than that, probably six years before that. And so it was building up to all of the things that I do now. And it was just a part of the plan, but it wasn't the overall plan. So the reason why I wanted to talk to you about that whole journey, of, I thought the plan was to get married in 21. Then I went into pageantry. So I had a split rock moment when the relationship didn't work. It's like, that's not a relationship. You don't want to be married at 21. That's going to break up. Then I went to pageantry. And when I didn't, when I didn't get the opportunity to go to Miss World, that was another split rock moment. Cause it was like, nope, the rug's been ripped under you. That's not the purpose of why you were here. And so the reason why I wanted to tell you that story is because in my episode of split rock moment, I want to talk to you about calling over goals, calling over goals as a believer are the thing that we should be choosing is God's calling on our life over our goals. There's a verse that I want you to meditate on and think about and pray about today. It's Ephesians 1. I'm reading from the Message Bible. And it's Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 from the Message Bible. And it says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. Long story short, God has a call on our life. God has a call for what he wants to do in our life. And he's directing that call. But I think because we live in this world that we could touch, feel, and see, I think sometimes we start to hang on dearly to our goals and what we want to do over calling. And that's why split rock moments are so hard because calling is different than goals. Calling is different than goals. So I want to share with you five ways that calling is different from goals and it won't be long, but I really want you to know it. So the first thing why we need to be focusing on calling versus goals is because, and to recognize another way to like, like our goals bad. Like I know, I know people are like, 
our goal is bad. Like, what's the difference? Like, I had someone ask me this question the other day. And I was really baffled when they asked this question. I was just like, whoa. They were like, how, what is my interpretation of vision boards when you think about the word in Ephesians where it says that God chose us, God designed it, God set in the foundation for what us to, for what he's called us to do and the verse where it says, write the vision to make it plain. So when they first asked the question, it kind of threw me off guard. But the answer to that, that I have now is that God does have a foundation and God has a caller in our life. And so we must wait for the calling that God has for our life. We must listen out for the calling and then we must write down the vision of what we believe we have heard. But we also cannot be so married to the vision that we wrote down because we are still human and we still might've put a little self in that vision. And so therefore we have to be willing to even allow God to bring it up. So did God want me to go into pageantry? Yes, he did. However, it wasn't to win Miss World because I also interjected self in there in some way. And so what we have to be open to is calling is uncomfortable, but goals are comfortable. Our whole goal, like every part of that goal is a comfortable journey. Every part of that goal is a comfortable journey. I'm going to go into pageantry and I'm going to win. And I won my first pageant. So I'm like, yes, comfortable. I won the first pageant I went in. Miss Grand Bahama made me eligible to go to Miss Bahamas to win Miss World. Eligible, comfortable. I won Miss Grand Bahama. Then I was treated like that was one of the best seasons of my life. Like I had free airline tickets every single week for like five or six months that was given to me to compete in this pageant. And it was like, it was a dream. I had seen all of this a year before and now I was living it. And it was so amazing. And we were doing all these great things, all the videos, all the photos, all the things I saw a year before I saw these women doing, I was now doing it. And I was all expense paid. I was also in a new relationship at this time. And they were very, they were very instrumental in supporting me during the season. And it was just so great, comfortable. Goals are comfortable and there's nothing wrong with that if that is a part of the calling that God has on your life. But when calling gets uncomfortable, that's when we're like, oh, look at the enemy just up and down. No, like that is a part of your calling. And so a part of my calling is I want Miss Grand Bahama comfortable. But there was this girl who competed against me in Miss Grand Bahama. They allowed her to enter Miss Bahamas. I don't know, messed up system. Who knows why they did it? Not only was she allowed to enter the next pageant, I'm like, whatever, I beat her in Miss Grandma, I'm going to beat her again. No, 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 no. I don't make the top five to go to Miss World. I'm only in the top 10. I don't make the top five. And the girl that I beat five or six months before, not only does she make top five, she won. So when I say uncomfortable, when I say embarrassed, when I say humiliated, like full stop. No, she like had the crown the whole year, like full stop. Like that was the journey that God had me to go on. So as long as it, so it's, it's a great goal. It's a great goal when it's comfortable. It's a great goal when you win it. But that night when it was like, my world was turned upside down because calling is uncomfortable. And that was a part of the calling that God had on my life to go through that experience, to go through that loss. It taught me so much about myself. Um, the pageants, the things that I did after that taught me so much about myself, but calling is uncomfortable going through that breakup 
being in that relationship for six, seven months and not realizing like, okay, this doesn't lead to marriage at 21. No, but there were lessons to learn. Uncomfortable. Having to be broke and moving from LA, uncomfortable. But God was calling me back like in this season, I need you back in Grand Bahama. And I have been here since. And that was like 2016. It's 2022. It's crazy. But the calling that God had on my life. So callings are uncomfortable. Like when we said, so that's why we have to be very wary when we set goals like, oh, the Bible said, write the vision, make it plain. But God set the foundation in the earth of who he's called you to be. And when you accept him, we have to follow the foundation of who he's called us to be. And so we have to lead into that calling that is sometimes uncomfortable. Calling is sometimes uncomfortable. Goals are comfortable. So if you ever realize, like, am I operating in a calling or a goal? Have I dealt with uncomfortable? And I'm not saying walk into uncomfortable situations. I've had seasons of comfortability in God's calling. I'm saying when the uncomfortable situation comes, are you willing to walk into that calling? When that split rock moment happens, are you willing to say, this is still a part of God's will and let me allow God to navigate me through this journey? So the first one is calling is uncomfortable. Goals are comfortable the entire way, the entire way. So number two, calling increases your humility. But goals can increase your pride. Calling increases your humility, but goals can increase your pride. So what do I mean about calling increases our humility? So humility, the definition of humility is it's removing my importance. Like I don't have any importance. I don't have a level of importance. So it doesn't mean that I don't have self-worth, self-confidence, any of that. Where as a believer, my humility is what I want is not more important than what God has called on my life. What I feel is comfortable, what I feel is great, what I feel is success, what I is not more important than what God is trying to do in my life. That's what calling is. Calling says whatever God wants. It's embarrassing, but whatever God wants. Like I literally beat this girl six months before. So I don't even, I can't even fathom. Why would you allow me to be her if you were going to come six months later on a national level? and allow her to win. Like, I can't fathom that. Like, I don't even know what you're doing right now. But I know that what I want is less important than what you're trying to do. So I'm going to back off. Why would you bring this person in my life at 21, knowing that I want to get married at 21, have them say all of these things that they want to marry me, have them say that to my parents, and then it just be nothing but a rebound because they needed to be affirmed after coming out of a painful situation. I don't get it. I don't get why I had to go through that situation. But what I want is not important. Whatever you have me to learn, maybe it would just be me straight up disobedient. Maybe you told me not to go into it. I don't know. Maybe I just needed to mature and go through that mistake to know what not to do. Who knows? But what we have to realize is that what I want is less important. And when you have goals, it's like, it's goals, pride, and satisfaction from my achievement. I achieved that. I was Miss Grand Bahama. I achieved that. I got to go to LA. I achieved that. Like that's pride building up. And we got to be very wary of, I'm so excited that happened because a humility moment is just around the corner. A moment where it's like, dang, yo, like to the world, it's like, ooh, you ain't winning. Like when it's a calling on God, a calling that God has on it. So the world will tell you like, God has these things for you. If you're trusting God, like the thing that I guess that God is good. So God, this is how we interpret it. Like this is how, at least this is how I interpret it. God is good. God wants his children to be blessed, to be favored, to, to succeed. 
And so the world will say, because God wants all of this for us, the comfortability is of God. The and, and, and the comfortability and the blessings are from God. And the world will say the achievement, the satisfaction of reaching that tier is what God wants for you. Yeah, but when God humbles me and doesn't give me something I want, why isn't that God as well? Why isn't that God as well? Humility is something that God wants. God wants me to be able to submit in the split rock moment to say he's better for me. How do we know that? Because of scripture, because of when we read the Bible, like the Israelites didn't win the whole time. There were things God was teaching them. They went straight up from bondage in Egypt to the wilderness so that they could have dependency on Christ. Because see, what happens when I consistently receive comfort, when I consistently only go through favor, the human flesh part of me, where, why is there a need to be dependent on God? Because I got it. I got it. I wrote the vision and I made it plain and I got it. And God's like, no, 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 no. I need you to have less importance because another thing is we don't always know what's best for us. Like, like being embarrassed, it's like, I don't even see in the moment how it's helpful. But now years later, I see how that journey has helped me to mentor other people who've gone through competitions, other people who have gone through hard moments. And that's what we are created for, to be an example of Christ. That's why when we read the scriptures of the hard times that Moses went through, the hard times that David went through, the hard times that Elizabeth went through. And this season of my life, I've been related to Elizabeth so much because Elizabeth and her husband were, they, they had no fault. And so sometimes people are like, oh, you need to move this out of your life. You need to do this from your life, you know, because that is what's blocking you from all the blessings and the favor that God, maybe it's just timing. Maybe just like the Bible said, Elizabeth and her husband had no fault yet. They don't got no children and they serve in God. Like why? Like why are you embarrassing me? Like I serve God, but the, the thing that is supposed to show, be, be of show to others that I have favored God on my life are children and I'm old and I ain't got no children. But it was God's timing because he was preparing them for John the Baptist. But immediately the world says, oh, do this differently so that you can show the world that you're blessed by God. No, I, have, I am of least importance. I, I have to be humble. And I'm not saying to not go after things God is telling you to do. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that there's no blessings attached to what God has called for you. I'm saying that when we go through hard and struggling moments, we have to lead into Christ and say, are you humbling me in this moment? Because I surrender to what you want. Like, I don't like it. It's not, it's not what I favored. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to be an Elizabeth. But if that's what you got me related to right now, then have your way, have your will. I just want to be obedient. I just want to be obedient to you. So the first thing is calling is uncomfortable. Goals are always comfortable. So that's the way to tell the difference. Calling increases humility. Am I seeing that, that what I want is less important than God? Yes, because I have ideals and goals and I'll be doing a new thing. But then I see there's insight after, there's wisdom after why God called me to do that. And goals can increase your pride. The third one is a calling requires you to release control. Ooh, this type A. Ooh, this type A person. Calling requires you to release control. Goals feel within your control. Like we set goals for things that I feel like I can control. Calling doesn't feel like it's in your control. Like it doesn't. Like 
I remember when I stepped out on faith to do the easy love, I was just like, I just want to upload this on YouTube because you know why? I can control YouTube. Like, I don't have to depend on people to buy a ticket. I don't have to depend on um, paying a building and, and all this. It's a lot of, it's a lot out of my control that I don't know what about to happen and I need my coins. That's a lot of, that's a lot of risk. And that's a lot of coins being risked that I don't got. But YouTube, we didn't get our, we, we got everybody to volunteer. We promised them YouTube, give them YouTube. It's a pretty comfortable situation. It's pretty within my control. So when I was at the mercy of those judges who did not allow me to advance, it's not in my control. When I'm in a relationship, when you're in a romantic relationship, you have no control. Even if you're in a marriage, you don't have any control over that person. Even when you're in a marriage, you don't have any control over that person. That person can leave. That person can die. That person can. There's so many things. But you have to surrender and you're like, you know what? This is God's will for my life. I know he has it for my life, so I'm going to do what I was called to do. And I'm just going to trust God in this, in this season and what he's called me to do. But you have to release control to allow the Holy Spirit to do it versus you trying to do it. And it's not an easy thing. It's not. It's not an easy thing. Like when that relationship was over, I was just like, this is not what God has for your life. Like I would try to hold on to relationships from a very young age. And it's just like, God, not in this at all. Just release it release it release it so the first thing calling is uncomfortable goals are comfortable calling increases your humility goals can increase your pride calling requires you to release control goals feel within your control this one is a big one y'all this is the fourth one this is the fourth one it's a big one and i was having this conversation last night with a friend about how do you know the difference between, between someone who has a fear of God or a knowing of who God is and someone who is a genuine believer. I was like, what is your, what is your definition? And so they said to me, someone who has a desire to please God, like everything I do is out of my desire to please God, that's a believer. And a person who does things because I do want this and this is a good thing to have or this is morally great or this is what I know, like it's good. And so, you know, back to the interpretation, it's good. God wants me to be blessed. God wants me to be favored. So of course God wants this for me. It's not about, and there's a difference. Like when it's about pleasing God, that means even if, remember the humility, even if I want it, and God doesn't want it for me, I'm not going to do it. Or I don't want it, but God wants it for me. So I'm going to do it. It's like entrepreneurship. Like friends, like I like the flexibility of entrepreneurship and I liked having a side hustle, but like I love sure money. Like I love the comfortability. Like I don't like worrying about money. Like, and that's all entrepreneurship is, bro. That's all it is, bro. Like I don't like it. Like I don't like it. It's not stable. It's not comfortable. Like, I don't like it. I don't, friends, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like that part. I like, I like the part that I control my time somewhat. But like, when I need the money, I don't even control my time because if a client needs something, I'm like, I need the money so they control my time. Like, it's like, it's crazy. So like, I say it all the time, like entrepreneurship is literally me pleasing God 
because that's what he wanted me to do in the season. And I will keep saying it to y'all in the season because y'all see me go back to a nine to five. Don't come for me. It's because I got permission to go. Like, like, bro, like it's literally because it's pleasing to God. So a calling is pleasing to God. A calling is pleasing. Like I am doing this because it pleases God. Full stop. So, so I'm telling you now I am single because there is not somebody God has showed me like, I need you to do life with that. It's not that nobody interested. It's not that I'm not interested in nobody. <laughs> it's just that I have not connected with somebody where God has told me and them that a union will be pleasing to him. It's not that nobody interested. It's not that I'm not interested in nobody. Is that I am not connected with somebody where God has told me and them that this union will be pleasing to him. But that is what God, that, that, that is why I am here. That is why we are here. That is the difference between a believer and someone who acknowledges and has knowing of God. Everything that I do is about pleasing God. It's not, oh, let me do this because it's going to make me a lot of money. No, let me do this because it's pleasing to God. When the difference is like uh, a goal is this is pleasing to me. I'm not, you, let's be real. You're not set no goal that's not going to please you. Like, why would you set a goal? Like, there's no goal that you're personally within yourself setting that you don't want to do. Like, who does that? Like, even if it's something you don't want to do, you'd be like, this is a good thing to do. Like, oh, you know, I should give to the poor or I should, you know, tithe every month or like, I should, like, you know, you don't set go, I should save like you're like I don't really want to save but I'm saving because you know that's smart <laughs> that's a smart thing to do but you like travel you will make a travel goal without God like straight up be real now I make my travel go goals with God but I'm saying you will make a travel goal without God you will make a money goal without God you will make a business goal without God you'll make a relationship goal without God because those are certain things that our flesh just desires on our own but what I'm trying to tell you is the difference between a calling and a goal is God told you to do it. And you may, you yourself may not even want to do it, but you're doing it because it's pleasing to God. You're doing it because it's pleasing to God. And what I'm trying to say is that before we write the goals, we got to be, we got to be open to what the calling is. We have to be open to what the calling is. So callings are pleasing to God. Goals are about pleasing me. Goals are about, let's just be straight up real. Goals are about pleasing me. So the final one, the final fifth one that I want to say is callings are the Holy Spirit is your guide. Goals, society's blueprint for success is what you're following. Like, I remember, like, I would, I would make fun about it. Like, this girl, she was saying she met, I was asking, she was single for a long time, too. And she was like, oh, I'm dating now. I met somebody. We're about to get married. I was like, oh, my God. Like, because I didn't catch up with her in a while. And I'm like, like, how did it happen? Like, what y'all be? Like, what happened, you know? So she was like, it was something that I knew when I was a kid. And I was just shopping at John's one day and his mother saw me and she was like, oh, we should reconnect. And I was like, okay, so I need to go shopping at John's for shoes. And it was a joke, but literally it was me trying to say like, what is the blueprint to get step-by-step? Step? And even though that was a joke that I was saying to her, that's how we do life when it's business. That's how we do life when it comes to travel. That's how we do like anything that we said to buy a house. Anything that we set to have children, anything that we set up in our life that I personally desire and that I want, we sometimes seek the world for what is the blueprint for success of how you got there. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that are in the world that do give you a blueprint of what you, but I think we missed the step of, is this a part of God's calling for my life? 
am I being directed to the by the Holy Spirit to this person? Or did I just decide on this person? Did the Holy Spirit direct me to this place? And when the Holy Spirit is guiding us, what I've realized about split rock moments is that sometimes why a split rock moment comes is to show us that this is a part of your journey. This is not all of your journey. When we set goals, it's like, I want to become a teacher and then I'm going to be a teacher for the rest of my life. No, you might be a teacher for a season. Like I literally thought I was about to be a Bahama for five to 10 years. Like I never, I never thought that I was about to be a lifetime career, but I was like, it's at least five to 10 years. I at least, I imagined, I visualized, I saw the first five and, and exactly what I visualized is what that first year looked like. And it was a dream. It was comfortable. It was what everything, but that was it. That, that, it was like for a year. I was like, yeah, that was it. I was like, what? Like I envision, like everything you ever sit down and visualize like when I move, I'm going to be in my condo. I'm going to live in Nassau. I'm going to have this job. I'll be working in the hotel. And it was everything I sat down and saw before I got the opportunity is what it was, but it was what it was for a year, for a year, fam, for a year, for a year, fam, for a year, like legit, legit. Like there are people who visualize having children and you had the child, but one of your children has special needs. Like, so for the first few years, it was everything that you thought. And then one of your children had um, ended up being a child with special needs and you just didn't visualize that. Like you just never conceptualized that that was going to happen. Or you visualize yourself getting married and then having children, but then you're just married and there's no children. So you did, that's, it's not quite the vision that you put in your head. Like I visualized me winning Miss Grand Bahama and winning Miss Bahamas. You win Miss Grand Bahama, you had the six months of traveling for free and going to, but when it came to Miss Bahamas, you did not win that. Like you, it did not. So I think what we have to realize is that conflict sometimes doesn't even look like the vision. It might even have a piece of it, but if I'm guided by the Holy Spirit, I have to go along with what God is calling me to do in that moment and not what society's blueprint looks like. Because if I'm not being led by the Holy Spirit and I'm being led by society's blueprint and it's different, my path is unique. What God has called me to do is different. The minute I do not have the picture perfect blueprint that society told me I'm supposed to have, I feel like a failure. I feel like a late bloomer. I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. When God's like, nah, fam, I'm your guide. I'm your guide. You are on the path I've called to you. But I look like I'm failing to the world. It don't matter. It don't matter. And God will continue to put split rock moments in our life. He will continue to put split rock moments in our life because our split rock moments is the rug has to be yanked from under you because I need you to remember your foundation. I need you to remember that I planned this way before you were here. I need you to remember all of that. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. I am living. We are living for Christ. If you are a believer, your goal is to please God, not to please yourself. If you are a believer, the only purpose on earth is to please God, not please yourself. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything, in every one. He had designs on us for glorious living. He has his designs. That is the calling. And sometimes our goals get in the way. So I wanted to come and remind you that you are going to have moments where it's like, where did that come from? I thought that my dad was my rock, as Rachel said. I thought my dad was my rock, as Felicia said. I thought for me, like I was about to be on this job and I finally got what I was, you know, the job of the dream job. No, you're about to be launched into entrepreneurship. That's the call. 
This is only a pathway in this journey. I thought I was going to be Miss Bahamas world. No, you will be Miss Grand Bahama and you're going to go and be Miss Bahamas earth and do some other things with it. But it's, it's a pivotal, you, you know, your life is not about being Miss world. It's only, I'm only taking you through this because there's some foundational tools that I'm teaching you right now. And this is a part of your pathway. And so I want you to remember that I should be, you should be opening and pursuing calling, not goals, calling. And what's the difference between calling and goals? Well, first of all, calling comes from God. Goals sometimes come from you. And you can set goals based on your calling, but don't set goals on yourself. Don't set goals on yourself. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't write the vision and make it plain before you, you consult Ephesians. Don't write it before you consult Ephesians. And even if after you write it, remember that you're human and it may not turn out exactly the way that you thought because calling is uncomfortable and goals tend to be comfortable. Calling increases your humility. Goals can increase your pride. Calling requires you to release control. Goals feel like they're in your control. Callings are about pleasing God. Goals are often about pleasing yourself. Calling is directed by the Holy Spirit as your guide. And we have to be careful because goals tend to have a blueprint of success by the world. Again, the Holy Spirit can lead you to someone in the world that's going to guide you, but make sure that at first, I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit to have someone speak into my life. And if the Holy Spirit did not give you clearance to have someone speak into your life, that is not the person that's speaking into your life. And so remember, split rock moments are here to get us back on the path. It may be painful. It may be hard. It may be overwhelming. It may be embarrassing. But they are there to direct us on what God has called us to do. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed being here with you guys. Continue to be great. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Royal Access Podcast. Be sure to learn more about how to connect with us in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. We would also love for you to consider leaving a rating or a review. Until next time, I'm Corral Pinder, your truth-telling accountability partner.